What do you think of first when you think of tools that can help you run your pharmacy? A dispense system, a point of sale, probably the computers and the cash registers that drive them. But do you consider that Google could help you run your pharmacy? In this episode, I've got Adrian Cosman-Jones from Onsite Helper, who's going to tell us about how Google Apps are taking the world by storm and how it can help you in your pharmacy. Welcome to the Transformation Show, where successful pharmacy owners and technology partners help you to build a better 21st century pharmacy by embracing technology. Here is your host, Robert Starr. G'day everyone and welcome back to Transformation, the only dedicated podcast in the world where pharmacy and technology collide to bring you, the motivated pharmacy owner, all that you need to build your smarter, more successful 21st century business before it's too late. My name's Robert Starr, your host and guide on this fantastic journey of ours all the way through to episode 49. We are getting very, very close to our one-year anniversary. It's been a fantastic journey and often I reflect on that as I'm starting to plan what we might do for our one year anniversary. I'm sure I'd love to know your ideas, particularly if you've been with us in, since episode number one, which of course, as most of you would have known, it was the first chapter of transformation. So if you've just tuned in for the first time, that's not a bad one to start, and it's actually quite short in comparison to our more recent, and I should probably say that with a disclaimer, recent being probably the last 20 or so episodes where we've really dug in deep and got some great interview guests and covered so much ground. So I'd love to know what you'd love to see on that one-year anniversary, and um, yeah, always open to some new new ideas on that one. So how, how was your week? Are you chomping at the bit ready to hit 2015 with both fists or have you hit a flat patch? Obviously, if you're not in the coastal area, your summer trade may still be a little bit down, but you're probably used to that, which means you're a little bit quieter. So how have you dealt with that? Have you, have you done some planning? Have you been away on holidays? And are you ready to hit March running full steam when things pick up? With me, my kids, they got back to kinder and crèche this week, as I've seen a lot of you as my listeners who I might be friends with on Facebook, and please feel free to join me on Facebook and, uh, yeah, have a chat as well. It's not always only pharmacy. We all have our lives and our families as well, and it's always nice to share some great stories together. And my daughter turned five this week, which was a very proud dad moment, and um, we spent a lot of time together um, on Monday and uh yeah, one moment I wanted to actually share with you because I actually took a deeper meaning out of it. And I guess that might be when you get a bit older, you start to think of deeper meanings. When I know I'm not that old, but uh, at the age of 34, I, I thought, well, I'm teaching her something now and I actually took a lesson out of it. So what it was, we were at the park. It was a very, very nice day on Monday and we uh, picked her up from uh, kinder and uh, unfortunately had to be at kinder on her birthday, but nonetheless... And um, we, I was ha playing with her on the monkey bars and, you know, she's watching some of the older kids swinging very wildly on there, getting across, and she wanted to have a go herself. And as as, as all of us as dads do and mums, I'm sure, uh, encourage our kids to do something new and, you know, to have a go at something. And um, 
not to fear the unknown and to try things and we're often there to catch them when they fall and that's exactly what I was what I was teaching Sophie and uh, so she jumped on the monkey bars and um, she didn't get very far initially but then she watched a couple of other older kids and they went very very quickly and she watched their technique she jumped back up there again and she got three bars through um, and whilst the other kids were around doing it um, you know she seemed to be joining them but then when she was on her own she got to three bars and she got really scared you know she was really really scared that she was going to fall and hurt herself and uh, my advice actually to her was just to fall because she was literally 30 centimeters off the ground but to her it was just so much more scary because it was something she'd never done before and uh, once she fell and realized that it was nothing she got back up there went three bars four bars and by the end of the afternoon she got all the way through which was absolutely remarkable very proud dad moment and the reason I share that with you today is that we often teach our kids to have a go at new things and we often don't actually follow our own advice when it comes to ourselves and our businesses. We often view new challenges as things that are insurmountable, things that are going to go wrong. Everything will go pear-shaped. Your whole business will collapse if you do something new. So it's better not to do anything new. And I just think that, you know, there are some things, particularly in our evolving industry, that we just need to have a go at. We just need to have a go at it and we'll find that particularly when you're looking at someone else who may have already done it in your industry, and there's certainly plenty of great examples, things that you may scare you might be implementing a robot in your business and you might be looking at, well, that's just too scary. It's going to disrupt. Everyone's going to hate it. People are going to think they're going to lose their jobs. But there are people that done it really well and it hasn't done that. And um, some of those stories we've shared on this show, but that's just one example. But you know what I'd love to share with you, and it's certainly one of the mantras I'm taking from this, is make it your mission to ensure that you try something new and innovative this year. It doesn't have to be anything too big. It might just simply be getting your business a website. It might be starting a Facebook page. But until you try something, again, we can't afford to be double teaching ourselves when we teach our kids one thing but don't do another. I'm also... Um, just a reminder, we've got a webinar coming up. And what, and what that webinar is, I spoke about it earlier this year, where we had the five prescriptions for a stress-free holiday. And if you're thinking about what you can do to play a bigger game in 2015 and how you can have your best year ever, ever and whether you've got the tools to do it, well, this is going to be the best place for you. It is free. There is no cost to this at all. If you downloaded the five prescriptions for a stress-free holiday, you've already received an invitation to come along. But if you'd like to come along and you really just want to make sure that 2015 is your best year ever and you get to tap into some great tools and information that we go through, we're also going to go through, as you may have already noticed, through episodes and 43 to 47, we went through a summer business planning series where we went through collecting and reviewing feedback, collaborative business planning and goal setting, KPI setting and reviewing, innovation planning and change management and creating a marketing plan. And we're going to review all of that and uh, take out what key learnings we took. And also, you got the opportunity to ask any questions you like and also share with me how you've gone with it as well. And hopefully, if there's anything that you're stuck with, we can actually bust through it as well. As It won't just be me. There'll be other motivated pharmacy owners, as you all are, and um, we'll be trying to get through that all together as well. And there's going to be some great bonuses just for attending as well because I just love working with you and I love working with people who take action. 
and that's what we're all going to be all about as well. So this week we're about Google Apps. It's going to be reasonably non-technical. I've tried to make sure that Adrian didn't blow you all away with lots of tech jargon and things that are going to be like, oh, I'd rather not listen to this. It really is confusing me. But really try to frame a number of scenarios that are very common in the pharmacy and how a technology, as we're going to talk about today, which is the Google Apps suite, which is literally taking the small business world by storm. Almost every business is getting onto it right now. And there's also Office 365, as we talk about it, if you're loyal to Microsoft as well. And as Adrian will talk about, there are some cases where that would be probably the best option for you as well. So we're going to cover a bit. It's going to go for about 45 to 50 minutes, but we can't do everything. And certainly in a podcast, when you're listening, you're driving, you're walking, you might be in the gym, you might be walking the dog, you can't see what we're talking about. So I've convinced Adrian to do a webinar with me in two weeks' time. So it'll be on Friday, the 20th of February at one o'clock. And if you want to join in, I'll put it in the show notes as well. Head across to robertstar.com forward slash Google Apps webinar. It's free and it'll go for about 45 minutes. And we're going to demo almost everything we're talking about today. So if you want to make it happen, Google Apps is quite intuitive. I implemented it myself. But I'm not saying that you can't do it, but you might see how easy it can be done in that webinar as well. So that's a really good bonus that Adrian's given us today. Um, Also, just wanted to talk about before we head across to Adrian as well, that um, about APP, we're almost a month out, almost, not quite. Um, But I wanted to actually share with you that... um, We've actually had an episode back in episode 13 and I noticed just going through the uh, lineup that's coming to us and it's a fantastic lineup that uh, Coz and the guys um, up in Queensland have put together is actually it's got the uh, Portuguese president of the Pharmacy Guild equivalent over there and for those of us who have gone back to episode 13 or have listened to episode 13, which is, of course, when I had George Tambassis on. Uh, It was a great story that George shared, and I'm really looking forward to hearing the continuation of that, which I'm sure will be the keynote on the Thursday as well. But that's not the reason for talking about APP. I also wanted to, it'll be after our uh, anniversary of the show, um, that I want to have a meetup. So a meetup, basically just a drink. Um, we'll go have a beer on Thursday afternoon. Don't know where just yet, but it'll be just after the, the uh, afternoon sessions finish at five o'clock. Probably only for about an hour, not too long, uh, but just enough time to have a drink and a chin wag with me and other motivated pharmacy owners who are part of the Transformation Tribe. And, um, you know, really just celebrate our one year. And, um, you know, certainly I'd love to know what you thought of it and uh, just love to shake your hand and say thank you for listening to the show because without you listening to this show, it doesn't go to air. And I love the innovation that some of you have put through to me by comments and feedback throughout the year. So, Really appreciate that, and I'd love to see you at that. So if you'd like to meet up at APP, I'll put this in the show notes as well. Go to robertstar.com forward slash APP 2015. I'm going to start putting up some resources there as well, which I think will help you uh, on your conference as far as attending it, taking notes, things that we covered last year in episode two as well. But also, just for the meetup itself, meetup.com forward slash transformation and you can go on there it'll be free to come along um, and i'd love to see you there as well 
I'm also going to include a feedback form um, and a survey in this week. Not re- not a really long one, and I'll post it out through social media as well. But coming up to the transformation anniversary, I'd love to know what you thought your favorite episode was this year. What was your favorite transformation moment? What would you love to hear about in 2015 and heading into our second year? And what can I do to help you more? Um, you know, is there a particular topic that's really bugging you? What's, what if it was a challenge that we could take it away in your business would make all the difference, particularly when it comes to forward planning and also if it leverages technology as well. So I'll send that out. I'd love to get as many back from you as well. There might be a few special bonuses as well for sending them in as I know that you don't always have a whole lot of time to do it and I don't want you to lose the dog and have to do that right now, but I'd love you to just maybe spend a minute. There'll probably only be three or four questions and uh, send that in to me as well. Without further ado, we'll head over to Adrian and uh, be prepared to be blown away by Google Apps. Our interview today is with Adrian Cosman-Jones. He's the Director of Onsite Helper and wants to be known as the Google Apps Guru. Adrian Cosman-Jones, welcome to the Transformation Show. Thanks, Robert. Good to be here. Oh, look, great to have you on, Adrian. And I know that in 2014, a lot of our listeners have perked a lot of interest around Google Apps and just Google in general. There's just It seems to be an ever-growing monolith of new applications. We're hearing more about their Google Health ventures now. So I know we won't focus too much on that, but um, I think our listeners will be in a great treat to hear all about Google and what how it's going to be relevant to their business. Great. Happy to help out. Yeah. Look, great, Adrian. And we always like to start with a story. And, you know, how did you get into, you know, IT in general? But, um, you know, why do you feel so passionately about Google and, um, you know, the great products that they've developed for small businesses? Yeah, well, I guess my journey begins uh, fast-tracked a little bit. Um, I used to work at Ironet, looking after their computers and servers for quite a few years and um, gave me a good taste for, I guess, desktop and server support. I decided to, I guess, branch out into my own business uh, nine years ago, and since then, um, I was an early adopter to Google Apps when when they first were released, and uh, yeah, I jumped on their beta version, and I've been playing with it ever since. And yeah, just found that their their systems are have just been quite superior to to other um, similar systems out there in the market. Yeah, look, just so much has happened in the last 10 years. We talk so much about how cloud, everyone, everyone's getting closer to really understanding the benefits of it. But I guess, I guess for our listeners as well, because a lot of us still have those typical, you know, POP3 emails, which for our listeners are really just the email that your internet service provider gives you. Um, and, you know, if you are going to have something bigger where it allows you to have your email available anywhere, where any time you may have had an exchange server or some big uh, big computer in the back room that drove everything and it was probably pretty expensive. But Adrian, what's really happened in the last sort of 10, 15 years that's seen such a migration to this thing called cloud and what is it? Yeah, so as you mentioned, um, it has changed quite a bit from local computer and server infrastructure uh, to adapt something called the cloud. So I guess in theory, it's, it's really uh, a similar type of server that you'd have in, at your premises uh, previously uh, sitting in someone else's uh, office room, which which is typically a data center, um, and you're accessing your emails via that. But uh, often that's, uh, that's scaled to a much larger 
um, scenario where they've got you know, millions of people connecting to, to those servers in a cluster, uh, delivering your emails, your documents, and, and so forth. So it's really centralized uh, delivery for, for everyone around the world. Um, in these data centers. And I think we've often referred to it as a, as a bit like a plane scenario where, you know, perhaps in the past we all tried to very valiantly but without the expertise and the necessary manpower to fly our own private jets and uh, cloud computing gives us that ability to, I guess, buy a seat on an A380 and, um, you know, plug into some sophisticated software that we really don't have to manage that much and uh, someone, you know, with higher expertise can actually manage it for us. Yeah, yeah, it's that's a, a great analogy, um, you know. And I guess suppose the real benefit is getting the the constant updates. I mean, I, I receive emails from Google almost weekly of these great enhancements and features that they're releasing, and basically, I'm I'm ready to use them the next day that they've released them. Uh, once I know how, and you know, getting that that updated technology always brought to you in instantaneous. Um, it's it's awesome, really. Yeah, because I, I, you just remember back to all of those days where you know you'd have to get a new box every year, which contained some discs and uh, CDs, perhaps that you'd have to, you know, as a as a business owner, plug into your computer and just hope that whatever ah. wizard sat behind it um, was able to actually, uh, you know, drive the changes that needed to be made in the program and everything got upgraded. But you had to set aside some significant time to do that and it didn't always work smoothly, did it? No, no, that's that's exactly it. You really needed a um, an expert like myself and my staff to, to roll that out for clients. But now with, with Google Apps and other cloud systems, um, it's all done instantaneous and, and you're not having to to put that investment, have the downtime and, and especially that expense of, of doing those updates. And you know, if things go wrong, it can be all sorts of problems. But um, yeah, the cloud gets around that very well. So. So some of the major things that, you know, went into cloud early on, you know, Google Apps was obviously one of the earliest things. Everyone still remembers, you know, having either a Hotmail or a Gmail address. And I guess in reality, Google Apps has just really beefed up the the features and the functionality around it to suit a, a workplace environment. But I suppose it, ultimately it's just bringing the, the benefits of, I guess, what used to exist in big corporate businesses to small businesses do you think that's a fair a fair take yeah yeah definitely i mean the the big corporates with the exchange servers and that type of thing have had email calendar and contact synchronization around for a long time where typical small businesses never had that you know that as you mentioned they had the pop three email where they download a copy to their computer, but it wouldn't synchronize to their phone. So they'll often have the headache of if they send an email from their phone or other computer, it wouldn't appear on their sent items on their computer. You know, calendars, and if they did want to sync calendars, it might be a manual process through a cable um, <laughs> to sync your phone, that type of thing. But now with, with, uh, with Google Apps, yeah, as I mentioned, with the Exchange service, you get all those types of features at a very low price. Um, and, and you can basically have a similar network, IT infrastructure as the corporates do uh, for small business. So, 
Yeah, look, absolutely. And, and you know, our audience is primarily all pharmacy owners. And, um, you know, the last thing you want to be doing when you're managing your business is trying to work out how all the uh, bits and bobs and the cables all fit together. You know, you realistically, as we talk about a lot on this show, you know, our, our business is looking after our patients and anything that's going to take us away from it, you know, is probably why, you know, we've never really looked too well, too much at some of the benefits of some of these high-powered IT products just because of the way they were administered but if it is all going to just work in the cloud for us and is available anywhere anytime it really does change the game in terms of what we can do in our business from a productivity sense yeah yeah that's definitely i mean google's google apps is really built on uh, productivity collaboration that's and, and obviously security that's sort of their main main pillars and you know, keeping it simple and and you know Maybe not having as many features as some of the Microsoft products uh, as you would on on your desktop type of thing. I guess comparing it to to Google Docs, um, but having that ability to to collaborate and make it real simple and just get the work done very quickly, uh, I think far outweighs local local software. Um, in that aspect and you mentioned security, and I think that's a big one. A lot a lot of our listeners are going to be thinking, well. What is the cloud? Like we, we've covered that already, but you know, how do we know that what we're putting in there is secure? And you know, look, I, I guess a lot of the time when I've been asked that question, I've just turned around and said, "Well, the pe- people managing this are going to have significantly higher expertise of how to maintain high-level security and make sure things don't run out of power or that there is backup power better than you can." But mm. you know, I, I guess I guess for our listeners, Adrian, how do you see it? Yeah, that is a very big topic, security. Um, I suppose there are, there are a lot of ways uh, you can be vulnerable and to, to completely rely on the cloud is, is a bit of a danger. Um, you know, you still need to, to consider some security uh, with anything you do, whether it's your own local infrastructure or, or in the cloud. But I suppose in a higher level, um, as you mentioned, Google will have a lot higher levels of security than, than you will. You know, I mean, Google offer many, many thousands of dollars to hackers to, to try to break their systems and and, offer, and will find the vulnerability and fix that straight away. So they're actually paying hackers out there to, to try to penetrate their systems. And so I suppose if that hacker wanted to break into your network, target you, it would be a very uh, simple point of entry. Mm. Um, but obviously if you put your stuff in Google, that, that, that layer... Security is a lot higher, but again, you can be vulnerable um, if you have poor processes. So, if you have very weak passwords, that type of thing, and you use the same password for everything, then you can be vulnerable. And there have been some uh, viruses I've seen going out there, which try to get people's uh, well, they're called phishing emails. They they try to get people's login details for, for Gmail, that type of thing. And if people receive these emails and send them to these people, then, yeah, they can be vulnerable. But there are measures in place to, to protect yourself, uh, things like two-step verification, uh, which prevents people from getting into your, your Google account, even if they do find out your, your email address and password. Uh, they'll be pre- presented with another type of code, which you might have on your phone or, or something like that, um, to be able to get in. 
And, uh, and for our listeners, that, that's the type of thing that you, your bank would generally give you when you log into your bank security. If you get given a token, uh, that's a two-factor authentication device so that you have to put in your login and password, but also a separate uh, randomly generated code on that. But uh, as, as, as Adrian's talking about there, there's um, a Google product. Is that, is that um, Google Vault, is it, Adrian? Uh, it's called Google Authenticator. Authenticator, so, that's right, yeah. Yeah, so it's an app you, you install on your phone. Um, and basically, you don't have to log into it each time. Uh, you can just tell it to remember you on your computer for 30 days. But the real great benefit is it, <clears throat> if if anyone else tries to log in which isn't on your computer, they'll be prompted straight away for that authenticated code. And if they don't have your phone, then they obviously can't get in. Yeah. Uh, so it really does cut out almost all types of hacking into your account. So highly recommend two-factor authentication for, for, your, for your Google apps and, and any sort of really cloud apps or things that you do on the internet. Um, I mean, hack, hacking is real and it's, it is on the increase, so it is worthwhile thinking of, of how you can protect yourself when, when putting your information out on the internet. Yeah, and, and before before we have too many hyperventilating listeners around what we're talking <laughs> about here, um, these types of things like two-factor authentication is really just a click of a button to turn on. It's not something that you've got to go through some hour or two-hour long process to set up or need someone high, with high expertise. It's really just installing an application on your iPhone or even your Androids um, and being able to have that with you as you would a bank token uh, when you go and log in and and typically what we're talking about here in terms of Google's platforms is we're not talking about your patient clinical data so don't worry about the security issues um, we're not um, talking about getting any clinical or patient information but as we'll talk about a little bit further along um, there are some great internal um, operations benefits that you'll be able to use to become highly more productive in your business by doing that and and I guess just on that Adrian um, what have been the, some of the best business benefits that you've seen, um, I guess, in your time at Onsite Helper? And, you know, primarily most of our, most of our listeners are in pharmacy, uh, but, you know, typically you may not have dealt with too many pharmacies in the past. But, you know, what, what have been some great changes you've seen in those businesses? Yeah, I suppose um, when we do implement Google Apps for businesses, we, we do notice one of the biggest um, benefits is really the collaboration aspects um, that uh, they can really, you know, all their staff and even their um, clients and suppliers, they can start collaborating documents in real time. An example of that can be uh, previously they'd send a, an email um, to a staff member or clients, you know, with all these bits of information, asking them questions or whatever it is. Um, and then they would, they would often, uh, I guess, put that in an attachment, maybe a, a spreadsheet or a Word document and ask them to put input, you know, th their opinions or their data and then uh, send that back to, back to them. Um, then you get a version two, then you might change it and create a version three and so forth. And it can be a bit, bit of a challenge trying to work out which version it was uh, of that document. But with things like Google Docs and Google Sheets, I would just send them a, a link uh, to an online spreadsheet or a Word document uh, and they would basically edit that document in real time 
through their browser. So they're not downloading attachments um, and then having to upload and getting different versions. It's just this one document, which is sort of the master copy, sitting in the cloud um, and just removes that whole whole process of uh, different versioning. So, and, and also having many people can actually jump in that document at, at the one time um, that can be beneficial as well, where previously if they had a, a document on the network, um, it would often become locked and read-only if someone else had that open. So that gets around that problem as well. So I suppose the doc- yeah, go on. Well, I guess I guess it's solving one of the problems of, uh, of location in that uh, everyone doesn't have to be in the same place at the same time. And if you do mm. have a, a team that is spread out and, you know, some of our listeners do have multiple networks of pharmacies um, and they may have a head office that's actually detached from any of the pharmacy networks, um, you know, it certainly has a lot of great benefits to be able to get people onto a call and, um, you know, collaborating around a particular uh, document or process. Yeah, that's right. And um, even on that, it's got great features like uh, you know, the comment feature, for instance. So if you wanted people to not modify your document, but you wanted feedback previously, they'd probably have to send an email saying, okay, well, you need to change this and this and this. But with the comment feature in, in Google Docs, they can just highlight some text and write a comment about it you'd get notified that someone's commented your document and then you can basically approve those changes and it just um, updates that document or you might just start a conversation thread um, about those changes that they're trying to recommend. So this one active document will have all these sort of sub-documents in, in one aspect of, uh, I guess, of how the document will will progress. And, and even if you did give people edit access, you could go back to any point in time and see who edited what and change what settings. So... You don't have to worry about people just deleting all your information and replacing it with theirs. Um, it's all tracked and, and recorded. So, well, I think I really think I, I, I think the best example of that, and we we're going, it was one of the points I wanted to talk to you about, was the concept of our operations manual. Um, in pharmacies, we have um, a program called the Quality Care Program, where we've got this huge binder of paper that we maintain of processes and templates and procedures um, that get updated um, throughout the year in line with our pharmacy workflows and new services and all those types of things and also sometimes some regulatory issues come up that we need to change processes and also templates and uh, typically it's been very difficult because it's been such a paper-based process but uh, something that I've had personal experience with is getting that into uh, Google Drive and utilising your sheets and your Google Docs, which are the equivalents of Microsoft Word and uh, Microsoft Excel. And, uh, you know, getting Mm. that exact, that feature's happening because, as you say, you can have different levels of staff having different levels of access and you may only want the senior people editing whereas some of the younger staff members you still want to include them and you'd love to get their feedback but beforehand you may have uh, had to have housed a uh, a pretty long and lengthy staff meeting and printed out multiple copies to achieve that. Yeah that's right and the comment feature just gets around that in seconds so I mean just going on your your big manual you're talking about um, and with other bits and pieces of, of your sheets you can we've also got a thing with Google apps called Google Sites which sort of can become your own uh, intranet so you can have um, all these documents which in essence uh, sort of looks like your own internal web page 
um, sort of explaining each document um, with with a nice uh, logical structure to be able to find your documents just by browsing um, through sort of your own web page for internal use and just makes uh, that type of stuff uh, really easy, accessible. Otherwise, um, Google Drive is really good for that as well. I mean, you can um, you can file things similar to how you would on on a on a computer in different subfolders and, and share that with with the relevant people. Um, otherwise, you know, I, I very rarely browse the folders anymore. I just use the the search engine um, in Google Google Drive because um, it's powered by a Google search engine. The finding documents um, is extremely fast. Usually within a second, even if I'd have thousands of documents, I type in some keyword searches um, and it will find the relevant document. Uh, very quickly, just as you would in a Google search on the internet. Am I right in assuming that it can also pick up words inside pictures and other types of documents, um, PDFs? Yeah, PDFs and um, all sorts of things. It can even um, pick up handwriting. I use the the scanning function on my Android phone, so I often get a, a receipt or something when I'm out on out on the road purchasing hardware and I'll just zap it in on my phone and scan up to Google Drive and later on I could do some uh, keyword searches and find um, you know, find that receipt just by the contents of, of what what is in that PDF once it's uploaded to Google Drive. Yeah, no, look, ab- ab- absolutely. And, and one of the other things that you know a lot of our pharmacies probably have is one of those business Rolodexes that we've quite often maintained of different business cards of sales representatives mm. and uh, different yep. suppliers and people. And uh, that can now become a, a digital contact library, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, exactly. Just scan all those uh, business cards and store them in a folder and you can then... Um share that folder with your staff as well. Um, have a central uh, business card folder, which everyone can access to on their phones, computers, everything. Um, yeah, it's a good idea, actually. I should do it myself. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I suppose in theory, you know, that because you've got these applications that can uh, recognise all of the information, and one of those that we've spoken about earlier on this show, Shoeboxed um, Australia, is you can literally send all those contacts um, all those business cards to Shoeboxed and they extract the information for you and um, give you a Google and can link up with your Google contacts file um, so that literally as soon as they've extracted that information, it will become another contact record in your uh, Google Apps account, which uh, I think it's just a fantastically efficient workflow. Mm, yeah, definitely. I mean, if you're picking up a lot of business cards and want to add them to your database, that's... Uh it's a great way to do that. Yeah. And, and, and Adrian, I think the, the biggest thing probably for, for Google Apps that most people be familiar with is, is Gmail. I think a lot of us may have dabbled with Gmail in, uh, in our personal lives, but, you know, maybe not in the, in the business lives. But, you know, as, as you've already touched on, driven by Google search, I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but we're almost getting to the point now where we don't even need to delete emails. Yeah, that's that's exactly. It. I haven't deleted an email in <laughs> in years. Actually, I've I've got many many thousands of emails, and uh, the great thing about Gmail in the browser is it, it'll never slow down. You know, I've got many many gigabytes of email, and often I don't even read emails. Um, I'll just quickly have a have a look at the the title and 
what I do is in, in Gmail, I've got a feature called starring. I'll go through and I'll just star all my email items uh, that I want to work through. And then when I've got allocated time throughout the day, I'll just work through my starred to-do list, I guess, and, and re- respond to those emails. So I've, uh, using these sort of methods, you can really cut down the time of, of emailing. And even even with that powerful search feature, I, I don't put things in folders anymore or in Gmail they're called labels because um, I just find that's a waste of my time because if I'm looking for an email, again, because it's powered by the Google search engine, I'll type in some keywords and I'll find that email within a, uh, a second, which is far quicker than navigating folders. So throughout a day, I'll, I'll save quite a bit of time um, just by using starring and searching process for my emailing. Yeah, look, it's certainly a massive change. And I suppose if we look back to how that may have been done through Outlook or may still be done through Outlook, um, you know, when you're flagging emails and uh, also sending those red receipts and all of those things that, you know, probably always added a bit of extra time. But, you know, ultimately, it probably didn't actually make us any more productive, although at the time we probably did. And I suppose, as, as you're saying there, by not having to delete it, how do we also solve the major issue? that a lot of us who are focused on getting as productive as we can, uh, getting to inbox zero where, you know, you can literally open your phone and there are no emails there, but you could still access them if you need to. Yeah, I'm not convinced with the whole inbox zero, <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> but uh, I just, uh, I work on the process of more looking at email and starring it and referring to where you, I think the inbox zero is more about deleting it. So you're deciding what to do with that email, where a lot of the emails I wouldn't even read. So but one, one way to do that in inbox zero is to set up uh, filters. Uh, so basically your Gmail can automatically filter emails into different folders and labels um, as needed and those things which aren't being filtered, um, you can then deal with them or reply to them and put them in different folders as needed and that that would empty your inbox and and have email zero as such. Yeah, and look, and there's probably also the archive feature as well um, in that um, it can remove it from your main inbox but um, make it easily retrievable through Google search. Yeah, that's right, archive does it. Just select them all and, and archive them and put some out of your inbox but easily accessible through search, as you as you say, and, and I guess in, in in most of most of the pharmacies, there's always a central email address that typically acts as the centre point for all email communication, whether it be from uh, community partners, whether it be from suppliers, uh, the odd customer every so often, um, and, and typically, you know, most pharmacies would just have one back office computer that would have access to that one account. Now, with Google Apps, I wanted to throw this scenario at you as to whether it's possible. But if all of our team have a Google Apps account and, uh, you know, we can go through things like pricing and why that all makes sense down the track, but how can we give access to that central email account to selective team members and allow them to respond, but also allow us as the business owner to actually see what's being answered and by who? Yeah. Yeah. Gmail have a great feature called uh, email delegation, which is the secure way to give uh, many people access to a central inbox. So you might have, as you mentioned, uh, info at 
you know your your domain name uh, central inbox for all external people to email, but you want m- many people to access that uh, email account at once. So in Gmail, it's a very easy setting where you basically delegate access uh, to that info to your staff so they can um, access that inbox just by sort of flicking over to their account, their info account, um, and putting the info hat on, and then they can send and receive emails as, as info. Um, the great feature with sort of this centralized inbox, I'd call it, with multiple access is if a new email comes into info and uh, one of your staff members reads that, that gets marked as read for everyone else who logs into that account. So automatically people will know, oh, someone's read this. Um, have they replied to this client? They can click on the sent items within their computer and see, yep, someone has replied. Or if you read that email um, and you don't have time to reply to that client, you can just mark it as unread so people will know, okay, someone hasn't dealt with this one, maybe I should deal with it. Or you might put it into a particular folder, um, a to-do list or uh, a client file, and that, again, will synchronize uh, to everyone else's computers when they um, they log into that account. So it is like everyone's jumping on the one computer and, and working on it, uh, but from multiple computers and you know devices as well, mobile phones, tablets, um, yeah, that, that collaborative inbox works very well for, I guess, uh, you know, systemization and uh, efficiencies. Yeah, well, absolutely. And, you know, it's very rare that all the team are in one room at the same time or working at the same time. They might be starting later or earlier or even, you know, the mm. pharmacy owner may be going between their stores and you just want to be able to check in. It's what's happening in one of the stores. It's, uh, you know, it offers so much more flexibility. Um, and, and like you say, going back to the the old days, and I do, I do hesitate in saying old days because I don't want to offend anyone who's still using the POP3 emails through your internet service providers but you know yourself that you're not able to actually access that email once you've downloaded it on a different device without having to re-download it again and uh, you don't really get to know too much about how any team member may have dealt with it so you know that's that's I think a really big opportunity um the other one I wanted to fire at you was you know documents and I I guess the ability um, for you know training documents to be circulated as well Um, you know we've spoken about google docs and google sheets and all the different google suite of applications that are comparable to office Um, but can you tell our listeners a bit about google drive and um, you know how how documents then can be synchronized um, across all of those devices whether they're being collaborated on or not Mm. so google drive um I guess it's very similar to Dropbox for those who use Dropbox. Uh, place where you can store all sorts of documents. doesn't necessarily have to be Google Docs or uh, Sheets. It can be Microsoft Office, uh, Word document, Excel spreadsheets, PDFs, uh, photos, any data really, my data file, whatever you like, um, you can put into this cloud storage. And then you can have that synchronized um, on multiple computers um, using a sync tool. That's called the Google Drive Sync. So that is uh, that is similar to the Dropbox, how it is installed on your computer. And whatever you've got folder access to through your Google Drive, you can sync those folders to your local computer um, and have, I guess, affluent 
access as well. Um, and then when you when you do have internet connection, it'll sync back up to to Google Drive for for everyone to see the updated changes. Um, but uh, I, I actually prefer to operate entirely out of the browser where possible, uh, mostly for the reason that if you're using the Google Drive sync, um, you, you probably would be using your Microsoft Office uh, suite for opening up Word documents and spreadsheets, and then you don't have the full, I guess, collaboration feature aspect of Google Apps um, as you would in the browser. So I find keeping everything in the browser um, is still more efficient than, than using the Google Drive sync unless um, it is applications or programs and data which you wouldn't open up in the browser. You'd use your, your Mime or, or whatever type of system it is you're wanting to share across multiple computers. Well, I suppose if you're utilising um, the, the pure cloud, um, you know, if your computer happened to die, then you just simply go to another browser. Um, whereas if you yep. whereas if you are storing documents locally, and um, you know, in pharmacy land, a lot of our main sources of data do need to be stored locally at this stage, as we don't have those cloud-based platforms for our clinical data. Uh, but mm. everything else, um, you know, we do have that ability to keep it in the cloud and uh you know refer to it i guess from anywhere at any time yeah i mean that's exactly it it can double up as a, a great off-site backup for you um so if, you know worst case scenario pharmacy burns down uh, all your data will be backed up securely in the cloud the stuff that you've been putting into the google drive folder at least yeah, look, there's so many different ways, and I suppose I suppose the the $64 question on this one, Adrian, is how many backups can you have to feel feel safe? Yeah, so backups, I like the. I guess it's. Uh, I always recommend a an on-site and an off-site backup. So it's good to have two versions of a backup. Uh, we call it the three-two-one rule, where you got three versions of your data: one that you're I guess mostly working on on your systems, whether it's on a server. Uh, two would be an on-site, and one would be your off-site. So three versions of that one file uh, you could retrieve uh, when needed. Mm. Yeah, look, certainly it gives you a lot of flexibility, and I guess you know you can never have too many. Um, but I guess you can you can have too many if you know that they're not being synchronised and that you potentially have different versions in different places, which uh, could be disastrous if you ever needed to, uh, I guess, recover from it. But um, I might just change gears a little bit, and um, you know I think our, our, our listeners have probably got a good number of applications that we could potentially be using this in the pharmacy. But I suppose the biggest thing whenever one's making any changes with technology in the pharmacy, and certainly I've seen that many times firsthand, is that transition of how you go from where you are right now um, to being able to embrace that. And um, is it an easy process and, you know, is it something that you do require someone's expertise to be able to migrate? Um, or if you do understand a little bit of the, 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 the technology and I guess about the databases and exporting and so forth, is it something that someone could reasonably do themselves? Yeah, so there are quite a few factors there. Um, some of the main ones being what platform are you migrating from? Um, and 
second of all, I guess, what is your technical expertise and experience with it? Uh, so I guess in regards to the platform, you know, if you're running coming from a, a POP3 system, uh, that, that's quite a simple uh, setup where all your data is typically on your machines and you'd be migrating the data from each machine to the Google servers um, individually uh, in most scenarios. Or if you're coming from a, a local server, like an exchange server, um, then you can do the one migration for the entire organization or your staff, but it is a bit more tricky to, to set up that migration. Now, Google have uh, particular tools that help you do the data migration. Um, one's called the Google Apps um, Migration for Exchange, um, and another one's called, that's for an Exchange server, another one's called the Google Apps Sync for Microsoft Outlook, which you do typically for the POP3 individual and yeah, that, that will basically migrate your data. Uh, typically, when we do migrations for our clients, we we like to do them on a Friday afternoon and leave it for the weekend to hopefully have migrated all their data. So come Monday morning, they'll be uh, operational with, with all their history sitting in the cloud. And um, but I guess, uh, again, if you're on a Mac network, then there'll be different tools again. And you might have to do a few different types of migrations for getting the calendars and the contacts um, through different systems uh, up into the cloud. So there's, there's not one answer to, to solve all equations. Each one um, requires a different, different aspect. And, and there's also, uh, you need to have some technical knowledge of, of the way the, it's called DNS, uh, sort of how the back end of your emails and website work. So at one point in time, you'll need to tell <coughs> your domain name to not point emails to your POP3 system or your exchange server that now we're using Google. All future emails need to go to Google servers. So that's called um, changing the MX records. Um, and if you do that wrong, you can actually have a, have a bit of downtime for your emails. So, well, I guess as you, as you touch on there, there's a big opportunity because, you know, a lot of pharmacies may have had, you know, an at their ISP email address, whereas uh, mm. with Google Apps, you could actually bring that into xyzpharmacy.com.au and, uh, you know, give a more professional feel to it. Yeah, that's exactly. And that's a common question I get. Um, moving to Google, will, will people... You know, am I going to have a at gmail.com address? And the answer is no. Um, you, you'd keep your domain name. So no one will actually know that you're using Google Apps. Um, it'll be entirely, you know, Adrian at onsitehelper.com. No one will have any idea that I'm using Google Apps. Um, and that continues your professionalism with, with your domain name rather than advertising a, an internet provider or a Hotmail account, which... Um, makes you look, look, look less professional um, as well as you probably get a bit of spam on those accounts. Yeah, no, look, absolutely. And and look, we should also say that, look, Adrian is a Google Apps expert, absolutely, and there are similar applications. Um, Office 365, I think even a few days ago, we've heard that Amazon's going to come up with something to rival that as well. But they work reasonably similar. Um, but I guess not to put you too much on the spot, Adrian, is that I guess... 
And of course, being an expert in Google, you're only going to have a quite a biased option, and I think our listeners will appreciate that. But um, I guess is is it the comprehensiveness of the Google app suite that um, makes you tick that box number one every time, or is it um, you know a couple of other factors that you could tell our listeners about? Yeah, well, we actually have a few clients on Office three six five. So we're not entirely Google Apps, but to be honest, about 90% of our clients are. We just found um, that the better platform for most businesses. It's quite rare that would would recommend the Office 365. One, one scenario would be if, if a client is on a Mac network and they're using Outlook uh, only and they don't want to use Gmail or anything else, then the Office 365 is better for them because uh, Google Apps doesn't fully integrate with Outlook for Mac. It will only synchronize emails, but it won't do the calendars and contacts. Um, so that's probably one of the only scenarios that would recommend Office 365 over, over Google Apps. I mean, I suppose more of the reason why Google Apps are over Office 365 is, in my opinion, it is a better product. It's been in the marketplace for eight years, so many, many more years than Office 365. So it's a more well-tested uh, and developed product, and it's got far more integrations as well. So you know, many CRMs out there, your, your Zoho's and your um, other, I guess, software um, third-party apps integrate with with uh, Google Apps compared to Office 365, which wouldn't have anywhere near as many. So uh, it is definitely has more of the market share, and initially it did have a lot price for entry as well which is another benefit and um, I believe it's more reliable as well so there's quite a few benefits over Office 365 but again it's not always 100% everyone needs to go with Google Apps there are scenarios where I would recommend Office 365 over Google Apps. Yep and and if our listeners that are sign up with Google Apps what do they get? I think t- typically when we've been looking at email in the past you might have a uh, I guess a floor limit in terms of what your volume of emails could be before you literally cannot accept any more emails until you delete them. You know, what kind of storage are they looking at? Um, and if they want to get their whole team across to this platform and, you know, go away from just having the centralized email address and be able to, you know, do all that delegation that you were just talking about, um, what kind of outlay cost are they looking at? And are they going to be saving money in doing that? Yeah, so from a POP3 scenario, you probably wouldn't be saving money because um, that's probably including your web website hosting, um, but it's very limited in functionality and, and possibly vulnerable um, as well to, to security issues. But um, coming from a, an exchange server scenario, so uh, you would potentially save many thousands of dollars. So especially if you've got an older exchange server, um, 2000 Exchange Server 2003 or Windows Server 2003 actually expires uh, this year. So if you're in the path of do I upgrade to the new Exchange Server or new Windows Server or should I look at the cloud, uh, you'd find that uh, a local server will cost uh, quite a few thousand. Uh, it'd be rare to get it under for a, you know three or four thousand for a basic server. So, and if you compare that to Google App licenses, which are $5 per month per user, 
obviously depending on the, the amount of users, it's very rare that uh, that Google Apps will be more expensive. Um, and not only that, your ongoing support costs. So if you do have a, a server yourself, you need to maintain and um, do updates and you would probably need an IT administrator to, to do that for you. Um, same with the computers and so forth where Google Apps uh, doesn't require any updates if you're operating out of the browser. It's, uh, it's very simple. In fact, <laughs> the majority of clients we put on Google Apps, uh, we hardly hear from them for, for an IT support uh, cases going forward. So it's, uh, it's amazing how much the support issues uh, drop down once, once we move into the Google platform. And I guess when you also add on perhaps your annual Microsoft Office out um, licenses that you might be paying and perhaps yep. even even your backup uh, costs as well if you've got a online external backup that you could be using. Now, the preface that I would put behind that is is that would be for non-clinical documents uh, to backup. But other, other than that, um, that could be an additional saving that you might make. Yeah, that's right. I mean, if you're... If you're on an exchange server, you need to have licenses for the computers um, to speak to that server. They're called uh, client access licenses. So that's an additional cost on top of your Microsoft Office license. Plus, you need the higher version of Windows, Windows 7 Professional, Windows 8 Professional, so you might need to upgrade them as well. And it's, uh, it can be quite costly with it with this local infrastructure server network. So that's why um, the cloud's extremely popular. And not to mention even one of the benefits that uh, I saw firsthand for the last couple of years um, was using Google Hangouts, uh, which for our listeners who aren't familiar with Hangouts is uh, like an instant message uh, client that sits in your browser when, you, when your Gmail is open and it allows you to you know, write short messages to another user. Now, that's particularly useful when you're operating in a multi-store environment and uh, you don't want to be calling each other because you've got to then come away from from serving one of your patients to actually take that call, but it was really, really useful for non-urgent uh, communication um, between the stores, uh, which I know that uh, you can also send files through as well. Mm. Yeah, Google, Google Hangouts is really good for that. Um, as you mentioned, it's used for internal communication as instant messaging, but you can also um, communicate with external people on any Gmail or Google Apps platform as well. Um, but it, yeah, it's, it's great for instead of sending an email or making that call, um, you know, you're sending less emails. When people return back to their computer, they just get this little pop-up message, and you can just send little messages backwards and forwards without having to to use those other communication methods. And I'll, and with that, there's there's a few other things you can do with with the Google Hangouts, like uh, video calls. So when um, you know people on their phones, they can do. Skype-type video calls between each other. Um, and taking that even further, you can um, there's a thing called Hangouts on Air where you can actually um, record, you can do, uh, I guess, uh, webinar-type um, training or information seminars um, and actually have them recorded to your own private YouTube channel and then share those videos with, with people that couldn't make that meeting or that webinar as well. So it can be quite scalable um, to do many things. And one last thing, they've also got uh, Google Chromebox for meetings, which is a 
basically a, a video conference unit which would sit permanently in your in your meeting room uh, connected to a, a projector or a TV so it's a, a webcam and speaker microphone um, always sitting there ready to ready to be used if that requires you know set up in a couple of seconds um, for for video meetings so it is quite scalable to to larger businesses as well as small businesses and um, yeah hangouts is awesome Oh, look, absolutely. And, and as we've spoken about on this show as well, that, you know, sometimes your normal staff meetings that you've got, and, you know, we ran a, an average over about two years of about a 25% attendance rate. And that was just because one of the pharmacies we were looking at there was uh, working was nine till nine, seven days a week. And we just simply couldn't have every one of the 42 staff that were actually employed at the time um, in the in the business to be able to actually come together um, at the same mm. time and uh, what we trialed with great success was actually having those virtual team meetings now we did use GoTo webinar for that used the trial for it um, but I imagine that you know what you're talking about there Adrian with the hangouts and hangouts on air it's a very very similar thing yeah yeah that's right I mean we often have people in a meeting which um, they'll be sitting at their laptop and realize oh I've got to shoot off and pick up the kids or whatever so what they do is they disconnect from their laptop and they bring the hangout onto their phone and um and off they go they're they're, they're now traveling <laughs> catching their train and still in the hangout meeting on their phone and no one would really know that they've uh, they've left the office uh, and those that couldn't make it they can obviously see the recording later uh, once it's emailed out yeah uh, via youtube well it just takes away all of that that uh, responsibility of maybe one person taking agenda notes and meeting notes and having to circulate them. And by the time everyone's read them, it might be two or three weeks later and the information is not current. So, you know, to be able to replicate that live scenario as best as possible through those flexible communication mechanisms, it's uh, just got so much possibility. And uh, I think, you know, we often say that technology might be driving us apart, but I think in this scenario, it does actually bring it together so yeah so many possibilities and um adrian just to just to wrap up um i guess where do you see uh, i guess the i guess the the future of um google types of technology going and um you know what would you foresee as i guess being the you know biggest game changing technology that uh, you know if you could foresee that you know time and resources are no barrier that you'd love to see implemented in businesses today yeah, I suppose for the future technology, I really see the um, importance of the, the desktop as such, um, the operating system really becoming in, insignificant. So everything's really going to be out of the browser or, you know, Google are doing it at the moment, but um, all your software apps and everything's going to be running out of the cloud. So, you know, whether you've got a, a Mac a PC, a Chromebook, um, they're all pretty irrelevant in the future when everything's entirely out of the browser. All your documents, photos, music, whatever it is, um, you can just jump on any computer at uh, any time and um, access it out of the browser. So that, that's where I see the technology going. And in regards to getting there with <laughs> without limitations, I suppose, um, one, one issue, one hurdle we've always we've previously had was was the internet connection and reliability of that. So now with the NBN being rolled out and, and internet connections being a lot faster in future, 
uh, the cloud's just going to scale a lot more and become more of a ideal replacement for for local infrastructure. So, um, and even I suppose if you if you don't have full confidence with your with your internet connection, having uh, multiple internet connections um, might be ideal with automatic failover. So you always will be connected to the cloud, and you always will be uh, productive. Uh, so I suppose the little hurdles you might have in if you had unlimited resource, uh, fixing those those hurdles would uh, would give you the best system possible and uh, with no downtime really. Well, I don't I don't think we've all got the NBN just yet, and we still could, in some cases <laughs> don't know when that may happen, and you know whether it be fibre to the node or whether it will be that we have to pay for those last few meters of cabling. Who knows? And um, but you know obviously you can see the 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 writing on the wall there in that you know we will just become an internet connected society of all sorts of things, and uh, I guess there's just more things connecting to the internet now than there ever has been, and will continue continue to grow that way and uh, if we don't have the internet infrastructure in Australia then we'll just be behind the rest of the world so I doubt that uh, mm. that'll that'll fail over but um, now it's been great having you on today Adrian I know that uh, you know listeners will take so much away from this I know that we may have pushed the boundaries of uh, some of the uh, the technology literacy with some of it, but um, hopefully you've all been able to take away some uh, some key key messages around uh, the benefits of using the cloud and obviously how that might benefit you and your business. So we look forward to uh, having you back, Adrian, in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, I'd love to to join again. Thanks, thanks for your time, Robert, and uh, yeah, really enjoyed today. Thanks for that. Cheers. Thanks. Well, there you have it. You probably wondered how Google could work in your pharmacy and you've got it in today's episode. So many learnings, so many opportunities. And we spoke about the cloud early on and transitioned through all of the benefits of Google Apps. And it really just starts to scratch the surface of really designing what we want in our own pharmacies. The first key learning that I have is just have no limits to what your pharmacy can achieve with technology. And where where I go with that is that collaboration is really the underpinning major benefit of working with Google. But understand that your team has no limits when you deploy this type of technology. It means that you can get people working together across your operations manual, across all of your incoming email and mail and faxes. And we've spoke about in previous episodes of how we can get our mail and our faxes into our email stream, but also be looking at training documents and how we can utilize all the great documents and registers and logs that we perhaps all did through paper in the past in all sorts of platforms. It might be on the road as the delivery driver. It might be when you're out visiting patients doing HMRs. All sorts of different ways you could be collaborating. The second one there is as well is ensure that your team get involved as well. Don't keep it all to yourself. A lot of the Typical setups that we've had in the past about email through our ISP or internet service provider email, which is where we might have had an at Big Pond address or an at Frednet address and that type of thing, is that we probably all kept it to ourselves, but we can share it now and delegate. And we spoke about in last week's episode with Kathy and the lesson coming from Richard Branson is we need to delegate quickly. And this productivity suite through Google gives us the great opportunity of delegating. 
and doing it effectively and also being able to contribute ourselves. Delegating does not mean that you give something away so that you can't see it again. It's so that you can work together and it's just such a strong collaborative platform that uh, the opportunities are endless. And the third one is as well, and we covered this in our episodes in 44 and 45 with Amanda Fisher, and we covered Zero and Peter Sackerson with Sasu, is that cloud-based applications and the core cloud applications of accounting also need to have a productivity suite like Google built with it as well. There's no point just having your finances in the cloud when all of the communication that you might be having with your accountant or with people outside of your business, and there are also some process documents and so forth, and systems are still paper-based. It's a mindset you have to take into the 21st century, which is not a war on paper and how we can remove paper completely from our business, but how we can then dynamically respond to challenges and opportunities in our business by having this type of productivity available to us anywhere, anytime. We spoke about in the five prescriptions for a stress-free holiday of the benefits of having Google Apps with you when you're on holidays in the when these opportunities come up and you might need to revise a process or a procedure or a template, you can do it straight away. There's nothing in the way. There's no boundaries that you have to climb over to say, oh, well, we're going to have to print it out, get it out to all of our 25 staff, get them all to sign off on it, put their comments, and then bring it all together. And then once every two years when we do our quality care, we'll update it. This way, you've got such a dynamic, high-performance environment, and that really does underpin the third key learning of high-performance environment. These cloud-based applications give you the benefits of big business in your small business. And if you've got a multiple network of pharmacies, wow, you are in for such a lift in productivity by implementing these things, whether it be hosting virtual team meetings, implementing things like Google Hangouts so that you don't have to get on the phone anymore to ask, do you have this? Can you send this? Is this person working today? All of those types of questions that we always had to tie people up on the end of the phone for. The world is endless in cloud technology and really we're just scratching the surface. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of Transformation. Don't forget we've got some big interviews coming your way and next week it does not get any bigger. I've got Morris Mizalowski. Yes, we've got a guest name, the business futurist who's going to lay out the next 50 years of pharmacy opportunity. It is not to be missed And certainly, if you're just coming into the profession as well, it's giving you such a great roadmap of opportunities that are waiting for you to grab with both hands. Don't forget, we're going to have a special webinar with Adrian coming up on Friday, the 20th of February at one o'clock. All the information sitting in the show notes there for you at robertstar.com forward slash Google Apps webinar, and you'll be able to jump on that and get right into seeing how these demos work and how you literally could set that up in your pharmacy for little or no cost. It is fantastic. Make sure you leave a comment in the show notes. Adrian will be more than happy to answer any questions you may have individually, and I read and respond to every single one of them. Have a great week, everyone, and I look forward to speaking to you again next week. Bye for now.